This is the Yay, I'm Reg Clay. Uh, Norman G. would be here, but he is busy doing... What is he doing? Meet John Doe at San Jose Stage. So it's just me right now at the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank Central Works and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And I have a guest on April Deutsch, Deutschley. Deutschley, yeah. <laughs> Deutschley. <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, you were on, you were episode 175, and that was two years ago. Can you believe that? That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it was, uh, I don't know, a lifetime ago. Actually, it actually seems it's almost it was yesterday. And although we had met each other and worked on a couple of projects two years ago this is our first time meeting face to face so it's pretty cool such a weird <laughs> pandemic time of finally meeting people in person <laughs> right right exactly so um want to welcome you back on and of course we're going to talk about some serious stuff we already know uh, your background and all of that stuff so it's, it'll be it'll be a different yay but i think an important one. First and foremost how are you doing uh pre-holiday season you know how are you are you traveling doing anything for the holidays you know i'm staying local which is really nice um I just wrapped up a nice little six-week workshop at NCTC, teaching nice. some kids move and groove dancing and just moving and grooving, <laughs> just getting ourselves back into the theater world again. Right on, which, right on. Um, was great and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, because you are a teacher. You're a preschool teacher, right? I'm a preschool teacher, and I've been a teaching artist with the New Conservatory Theater Center since 2018. That is awesome. Yeah, I remember you uh, talking a little bit about that. Um, very, very cool. And for those who did not uh, listen to episode 175, which is also on YouTube because we we're doing a lot of Zoom stuff at the time, born in Botswana, you're an only child. Uh, you spent some time in Arizona um, at a reservation. Yeah. Uh, your dad is, um, is your dad still around? He is, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a teacher still. He's a teacher. This is his last year. He's about to retire from Salinas High. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And you spent some time in La Paz, Bolivia. Mm-hmm. I believe your first production was Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, which sort of got you involved in theater. Yeah. Uh, you were at the Academy of Art University, mm-hmm. where you got your studies. Um, some of your mentors were Karen Hurst and Dan Griffiths. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm sorry about the music. <laughs> Let me pause that real quick. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so that's your background. So you have a very, very, I mean, you're one of, you're one of the, our guests who's had a, such an incredibly diverse background of just, and you've also spent time in Denmark. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you did a little bit of filming and then you got involved in a theater and, um, but, um, so basically, okay, so there was an article that came out in, um, the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, you were involved in, was it, I don't know, was it this year that you were involved in, I think it was Lacage? Yes, it was the beginning of the year, I believe. I don't know, this year has gone by so, yeah. <laughs> so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, the beginning of the year is when I was originally cast in the show. Yeah, Alterina had a uh, production of Lacage à Faux, and it was directed by Noah Hayden. And, um, I mean, the article is online, and we'll have a link to the article. But to make a long story short, you and a couple of other individuals, uh, all of them are good friends of mine, uh, Kim, Kim Kim Donovan and also Lamont Rigel, and each of them have been on the yay. And... They each had their own different experiences, unfortunately bad experiences, dealing with the Alterina Theater. And you're, um, you know, just going into the article, about a week and a half into rehearsal, you left the, um, the, you left the production. Um, 
basically just trying to have a conversation about um, black hair and also your character and just, you know, what your role will be, aside from just the script and all of that sort of stuff. Am I summing it up correctly? Yeah, so... I was originally asked to come in for Anne, which I was at first was like, oh, really? Me as Anne? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I got the part and I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. It was nice. I was like, it's a, it's a little bit of a smaller role. Yeah. Um, but I, there's something there that's important. And unfortunately, I didn't get to dive into it and really figure out what it was. Yeah. Um, but with the casting and and I, I would say is probably traditionally cast white um, mm-hmm. in most productions um, and then having the two people who are playing uh, Anne's parents were also cast as white mm-hmm. so we had this you know diverse family a blended family um, that also is upper higher like higher class as well as being incredibly conservator um conservative yeah 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 (laughs) and so there was just like a lot of layers that whether it's being spoken on stage was going to be present and i wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page yeah and i feel like that's not a crazy thing to ask as an actor (laughs) no no not not at all not at Um, all at all and so briefly you know a conversation um in regards to my hair came up um and I really didn't know a lot. Uh, Noah was brought onto the project pretty late in the game. He probably, oh, okay. yeah. uh, the original director was supposed to be Phil, and then he stepped down and Noah was brought in. So some things had changed in terms of like what they were wanting to do, which is totally fine. But all I really knew was it was being set, I believe, in the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. And I was like, okay, you know, that's great. And when they asked me about my hair, I was like, this is all I know, mm-hmm. so I don't really have a ton to go off of. We hadn't done any costume fittings. I didn't yeah. hadn't spoken with the customer in terms of what her look was supposed to be. We hadn't even like sat down and done table work, so I didn't have a lot of like what who this Anne was and who I would be, you know, kind of creating. Right. Um, right. So I mentioned that, and they were like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Okay." So I mean, if we're looking historically at black women's hair. At that time, this person, her hair would probably be straight. Mm-hmm. Um, having two white conservative parents, they probably would have had her hair straightened. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I'm happy to do that. But I wasn't going to do anything that was going to be damaging to my own hair as I wear my hair natural. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. So I was like, that's probably what I would guess. Um, but I don't want to do anything damaging. Um, they're like, okay. And I was like, and, you know, I would be happy to like, wear a wig mm-hmm. because that's going to be you know easiest on everybody yeah. <laughs> involved and the comment and response i got from noah in that statement from me was well we don't want it to look like you're wearing a wig mm-hmm. and i was like a little insulted in that because i was like well black women and black people wear wigs every single day and sure. that's just a norm and a realm and like also like what like I was like okay that's strange but I'm sure he didn't take it that he didn't know when it came out of his mouth when when he sent it off to you he didn't realize that yeah and and I also know he was like one of it was budget and I was like I'm happy to provide my own Mm -hmm. like I know you have a lot of drag queens that you have to dress in the show sure and then they also didn't they wanted to different the drag queens from everyone else but 
I wasn't going to be wearing like a big bouffant. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> That's extreme. It'll, and it would, would have I'm like. I'm sure it would look natural. Yeah, probably. I was like, I, I would bring a natural wig. And also, the conversation was very rushed and quick. And oh. I was kind of like, okay, this is. I wasn't ready for it. And I don't yeah. think they were ready for it. Yeah. And so I ended up leaving and left with like a really bad taste in my mouth about the whole situation. Yeah. And I got home and I had thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I need to say something because we're going to move forward mm-hmm. in this production and I want to make sure that I feel heard and that like they also feel heard and that we can like move forward on this. And right. so I just, you know, sent them an email saying, you know, I would love to have this conversation about my hair, but um, it just felt really, I felt a little blindsided by it. I also just felt like it wasn't the right time to have that conversation. Sure. Like maybe we should have done it not as I was like walking out the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just was saying like, you know, Anne is traditionally cast white. We have two white people, white, white actors playing my my parents in this. Like, what yeah. does that mean for our show? Mm-hmm. Um, will we have time? Like, I hope we have time to like sit down um, before we like block our scenes or whatever time in rehearsal yeah. that you have carved out to just kind of like do a little bit of table work and like figure out our family dynamic. Right. Um, and was like, I'm really excited to keep working and to like continue this conversation right. in a way that is po- well, great for all of us. Sure, right. <laughs> positive. It's interesting reading the article because you know, I've known you for uh, two years and working on the Breck project, I think I have a good idea of your personality, you know, um, and reading the article, I mean, I'm struck with how you were characterized by Alterina. Mm-hmm. Basically, responsible. it's like, uh, I'm reading it right now. You have black hair and we don't know what to do with it. So you figure it out. Yeah, that was actually my statement. I think the article is sometimes a little oh, difficult oh, to read. Okay, but but also, um, yeah. Noah says, I feel slightly blindsided by this email, and I don't think anything I said or did tonight was inappropriate, but I'm sorry if you felt that way. But it even goes further. Um, let's see. I think you were, you were called a... Um, yeah, here, here it is. Uh, all Noah did was ask this girl about her hair and she threw an absolute fit I think she's just difficult to work with and that's totally untrue and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here because you know this whole you know the the operative word that I hear whether it deals with the politics or the theater world is narrative who has the narrative and when you have an article like this and when you have people you know like a, a company I mean this is coming from uh, her name is Lazar. Uh, she's a um, a company member with Alterina. I mean, to say something like that to an act, act or an actress, it's just absolutely horrible, especially if it isn't true. I don't think you're difficult to work with, and you're certainly not a girl, yeah. God's sake. <laughs> yeah, when I read that statement, I believe that was Katina who said that. Okay. Um, oh, I see. Lazar quoted her, Katina, as saying, you're absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I read that, I was really hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially because I went to Katina and I said, this is what I'm dealing with. I don't want to like walk into a space and feel like I can't be vulnerable because mm-hmm. I was vulnerable with Noah and he just was riddled with gaslighting and like made it seem like everything that I 
felt that happened that night like didn't happen yeah yeah (laughs) and so if anything I definitely did not feel like I was being difficult being called a girl felt really insulting (laughs) of course of course um I mean there's so many avenues that we can talk about on here like um just the the very concept of having a conversation having the discussion I mean LaCasia I don't really know the show that well um, but there have been times like this year I had to deal with hair issues. I worked with um, Bindle Stiff Studios, N.A. Dallas's world famous lechon, and I was a sort of love interest. And they said, hey, we need you to dye your hair because it's a little gray and we want you to play younger. Um, I was a little annoyed by that, but I was like, hey, I got to do it. So, you know, it's no big deal. But the more important thing is they were like, hey, how do you feel about this? Are you okay with it? And I know Arena Mario, she's very, very into, I need to connect with the actor, regardless of what the production is all about. I want to make sure that everyone feels comfortable. Now, that's an environment that every actor or actress or person, whether it be tech or whatever, should come into when they come into a theater. So that's one thing. And then there's the cultural thing. I mean, you know, as an actor, you are part of the creative process. You have a a right to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Like... Hey, where's this, you know, coming from? And a black person with a white family. I mean, are we doing like different strokes? Because that's what I think of <laughs> when I think of that. You know, the typical a sitcom where let's just stick a couple of black kids in here. Won't that be funny with a white family? Mm-hmm. Is that the cliche that we're going for? Or are we going for something more natural? Mm-hmm. It's important to have the conversation and especially early in the rehearsal process mm-hmm. so that you can work your character into it. Or if there's some issues deal with it early instead of late Mm -hmm. so and then of course there's the cultural thing of black hair and I mean there was even a documentary about it I don't know if you saw the documentary I think with Chris Rock and Nia Long Mm -hmm. about the whole thing of black hair and especially the idea of chemicals and you know and black women you know losing your hair I think alopecia Mm -hmm. but I mean that's a disease but I mean there are all sorts of chemicals that you don't find out it's dangerous until it's too late Yeah, it's, it was, yeah, it was really surprising. I was surprised that he wasn't open to having the conversation. I never said that I didn't want to have the conversation. I would say that, that way, the way we did the original conversation didn't work. Let's try a different way. I'm happy to have, I was like, I'm happy to have this conversation. But you also have to do a little work. Sure. Did you ever get the vibe? Because I've gotten vibes from directors where it's like, okay, I've got my schedule. I know what I want to work with. Please don't bother me with any questions or anything in-depth or whatever. Did you get that vibe when... Because it it sounds like he was annoyed. I'm wondering why he was annoyed. Of course, we can't get into his head. Yeah. I mean, I really didn't work with Noah enough. Yeah. That was probably one of two interactions that we had throughout the whole process. Yeah. Um, we were basically working on some music stuff, so we never, I never did any scene work. Mm. Um, after that original conversation and email that I sent and the response that I got from him, I said that I wouldn't go to rehearsal until something was resolved because there was going to be vulnerable scenes. I have a length interest in the show. Like I wanted to make sure that if I felt uncomfortable in any sort of way or my fellow actors felt uncomfortable in a certain way, that if they said something, they would be able to pause and halt and give space. And I don't believe that Noah is able to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, and you know, if he were to ever say, Oh yes, I am. It is. Well, he could have proven that right then and there. Um, It's, it's, it's really, really unfortunate. How did the other 
did the other actors even know what was going on? It was really was this a private thing? Um, I definitely was close to a lot of actors in the show because we have done multiple shows together, and mm-hmm. so we knew each other. Um, and you know, we had a little group text thread, so I was definitely reaching out and saying like this is what's happening um some actors definitely also sent a letter for a call of action asking to make sure that you know i was protected as well as other actors in the space are protected yeah um i knew that there was going to be days where i was going to be the only like probably person of color in the room um and so just making sure that like Again, like if I felt weird or sure, felt sure. like something wasn't right, sure. that I could say something and it would be dealt with or people could step back. And I think especially in terms of anything that has to do culturally or racially, it's no one's asking you to change overnight. No one's asking you to like mm. immediately understand in one second. Yeah. What I was asking was <laughs> do a little research. Mm-hmm take some time read some articles we like live in this beautiful world where the internet is like at our fingertips at all times yeah and you could just click in like black hair and tons of articles will come up and lots of people have testimonials and of course you know the chris rock good hair i believe oprah is also doing a series right now on black hair so there's so much content and like educational materials for you to read and be like oh I get a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I did that. Right, exactly. And the thing is, if you cast someone, you have to have a reason to cast someone. It's like, if you have an issue with me, whether it be race or, I don't know, hair or whatever it is, you cast me for a reason. So if you think that I'm the problem because I'm asking all of these questions, then I would have to say as an actor, well... What is your expectation of me? Is it just me to be a robot and to take the script and just do whatever you want me to do mm-hmm. instead of me having any thoughts or issues that I would have? We have a right to to express if we we have some issues. And mm-hmm. I think that's perfectly fair. Norman G., you know, he had a, there was a production where he did Death of a Salesman and he was cast as sort of the black neighbor. And he had all sorts of questions. And Norman is known for asking questions, especially if he's cast not within, you know, the traditional, you know, race or cultural things. Like, okay, so I'm the black neighbor in 1950 living next to Willie Noman. Loman. Mm-hmm. I have some I have some questions as to where I think it would be. And sometimes you can have some really creative um, suggestions or, you know, that can open up different avenues. Mm-hmm. And those, are, those can be some wonderful things. It doesn't have to be an irritant. Um, and I think that's all part of the creative process. Um, so I think theaters have to understand that. Uh, we can't get into this, hey, we cast you, just do your job and, you know, don't don't bother me with the other stuff. Yeah. And and I think that's the problem. And I think that's, theater companies need to understand that. You're going to, if you're going to cast an actor or an actress, we're going to have some questions because that is part of the process, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. Yeah. So, um, but... Let me uh, get into some other things. Um, when you did, um, because Sean J. West is doing is is doing um, a soldier's play, and you were going to work with him on Sugar Gnaw Wounds. I was, yeah. I was unfortunately well, COVID COVID, COVID, yeah, <laughs> COVID exactly. shut us down before we even could open. Um, that show, I was really really excited. To do and even just in our rehearsals and working with Sean Jay was 
an incredible process and also even the audition was incredible mm-hmm. um for those of you who don't know the show it's you know, it's it's really deep it's really intense um even though it's an all black mm-hmm. play it yeah. still deals with lots of racial tensions well i shouldn't say there is one white character <laughs> right, right, yeah. um but there you know there's lots of moments of abuse and and hate and longing and struggle right and you know shanjay was very open from the beginning and was like you know there's gonna be times that this is gonna be really intense Mm -hmm. and we're gonna you know go there and we're gonna go really deep but we also have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves outside of this process and if we like need to stop and pause and like regroup and we always had kind of a little buffer before and after each rehearsal where we Mm -hmm. kind of gathered as a cast all together and just kind of like put our intentions but also at the end we're able to like let release and let go of those things um and those are important things it's really important and just i think not in just a show that deals with heavy content Mm -hmm. should have to do that i think any show you should do that exactly and i'm and i bring up sean jay because he is my my I'll I'll give you my take on what I think is happening with the Altarina and why I think it's important that we're talking about this right now because there's a young actor and actress like well I may be working for Altarina but I really want to know what I'm getting myself into and I think it's imperative to sort of spread the word to make your own decision so when I worked okay so I was asked to audition for it's only a play and um and so I did and it was a a role that was normally given to, um, it's not a black role. It's only a play. I think the person who played in, in Broadway is Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a middle-aged black guy. <laughs> I don't look like Matthew Broderick at all. So I was a bit honored to, uh, to take it on. And there were, you know, there was a monologue that I really liked. And so I was like, okay, cool. And I think I can do this. This was before I knew anything of what, what it had been going on. And then I started getting some text when I posted on Facebook one from um, Kim Donovan and one from Lamont, mm-hmm. basically saying, hey, these are my issues that I went with at Altarina, so you need to watch out. Not them saying, don't do it, but just be careful. And they were doing it out of out of love, out of care, because they care for me as a person. And so uh, I made the decision to do it. Of course, I had my, you know, my antennas open just in case anything crazy was going on. Luckily, nothing did, and Katino did direct us. Um, my my take is Altarina is very old. I think it's in its 80th or 85th year, mm-hmm. and I think there is a and they have an older community, and so there are old ways. And it's something Norman and I have talked about for a while. You have companies that are new; they have new artistic directors, young artistic directors, um, and they come in baked in the idea that we're not just going to create great theater or innovative theater, but we're going to have a a bond with um, the actors that come in to make sure they're in a safe and comfortable environment. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure that the space is a space where everyone can work at and you can feel free to ask questions or to experiment or to say, hey, I have a problem with this. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very important. And then you have these other theaters that have been around for a long, long time they really don't want to change. Or if they do, there are some resistance. Maybe there's a director who's resistant or there are people who are just annoyed. Oh my goodness, can't we just have a play, please? I don't want to ask all of these questions or whatever. And they think that they can take the heat when, 
an actor or a tech person or anyone says, hey, I have an issue with what's going on, or I don't feel represented, or I don't like being asked what I'm, you know, what I'm being told to do. And they think they can handle it, or they think be like they could just dismiss someone and say, "Well, that that's just a problem, problem person." And all of a sudden, you have the living document that Eli Sunny Orkiza came up with, mm-hmm. where there's a list of of companies that you may not want to work with, and then you have to deal with that. And I'm sure the Altarina is like, "Oh my God, I didn't realize there was going to be a San Francisco Chronicle article." Or there's going to be people talking about, but this is what happens when you neglect people, not just you, mm-hmm. but Lamont, Kim Donovan, when you don't have COVID policies in place, mm-hmm. when you cast someone of a different ethnicity, it doesn't have to be black. It can be, I can talk to Radhika Rao, you know, who you may know mm-hmm. is from uh, India mm-hmm. and, you know, like, okay, so you're casting me at this. So where do I see myself? You can't just stick a, a you know, a person of color in something and just say just roll with it because if the character's written without my ethnicity in place I'm going to inject something and I want to know are we on the same page mm-hmm. that's a conversation that has to happen would you uh, wouldn't you agree yeah I mean it's I think um Joshua Beld was also a part of the the article and mm-hmm. we were in Lacage together and we chatted a lot about things that were happening um and I think he mentions that Alterina seems stuck. Yeah. Like they are stuck. And yeah. it's sad. I'm No one is saying, I mean, maybe I shouldn't speak for everyone. I'm not saying that the theater company should close, that they should not do theater. Mm-hmm. I think having a theater in Alameda is incredibly important, especially for an older audience who maybe doesn't get exposed exactly. to different types of theater. We yeah. can bring it to them. Yeah. I want to do that. We're here to tell a story. We're here to show something different, especially with a show like Lacage, which mm-hmm. is, you know, talking on queer and drag, and then to have this added layer of this, like, blended family mm-hmm. and another, you know, interracial relationship between the son and the would have been me, Anne, and, like, just these different layers that we get to bring as, yeah. to the play. Yeah. It yeah. may not have been written that way, but that's the beautiful thing as like what we get to do as actors and that's where we get to have fun. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's why there was, oh, who was, it was Audra, Audra McDonald who did the, um, I forget the, what, what Carousel. was it? it? It was, I think it was Carousel, but it may have been something else. I know she did, I, I think it was 110 in the Shade, mm, a mm-hmm, version of yes. Rainmaker where she was a, a black yeah. Lizzie. Mm-hmm. But those are opportunities where you can sort of change the uh, the dialogue while pl- plotting someone in. Uh, getting back to the Altarina, so they hired Kimberly Ridgway to be a director, and they've casted, you know, they've, they've have, Sean J. West is going to be doing the show there as well. So, I get the sense that, you know, sometimes when you hit, you, sometimes change happens when you hit the third rail. Sometimes, you know, you make a mistake and then you make a correction. Mm-hmm. Maybe my casting, and it's only a play, was a part of that, that, that um, changing where it's like, okay, well, we need to respond to the black community or we need to respond to, you know, um, we need to change how things are at the Altarina. So let's bring in Kim Ridgway or let's bring in Sanjay. Let's bring in these stories which can, you know, change the dialogue. I don't know if that's an authentic thing, something that they want to do, or if it's sort of a, what I would call a beard. You know, let's, well, uh uh-oh, 
Lamont's saying something bad. Let's cast Reg Clay so that we can say, well, no, we're not racist. We mm-hmm. cast that person. We have that person as a director. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't know. You're absolutely right. Alterina does need to change. Are they willing to change? Are they willing to sort of let go and allow this to happen? Is this this episode, you know, this San Francisco article, is this part of the birthing process or the changing of how things are going to change at the Alterina? I mean, I can think of so many other great theater companies that have closed down, mm-hmm. like the Flight Deck, mm-hmm. the Exit Theater, they're about to close, yeah. um, who really do have wonderful... Um, they've created a, a foundation where people can really express the, the, what they want to express. But because money issues, you know, they just don't, you know, if the landlord wants $3,500, you know, a rent a month, then what can you do? So it's a bit disheartening that certain companies can go on and continue to treat, you know, um, uh, artists in a bad way mm-hmm. and still continue I, you know, um, I've, I'm hoping that the Alterina is in the process of changing how they are. And maybe something like this and you speaking out is a part of that process. It's a brutal process. You would want someone like Katina or someone on the board to say, you know what, I'm really, really sorry that I said wrong things that we didn't allow a space for you to express what you want to express. And we reacted the wrong way. Mm-hmm. They can do. They can do that, and you know, um, you know, they haven't. But you think that would heal wounds and allow people of color to come in and not have to ask any questions? Yeah, it's. It seems like a lot needs to change at Alterina. Um, personally, I do not think Katina should, should be the artistic director there. Mm-hmm. Um, she has proven to be harmful to the company. Yeah. Um, we, I feel like when you walk into a theater space, you want to be greeted yeah. and feel like you're cared for. And mm-hmm. my experience with Katina was not that at all. She didn't greet me when I walked into the room. Oh. Um, it's just, it was, it was bizarre even from the first day for me it, it, to... It felt adversarial. Yeah, I would, you know, if you are the artistic director of a company, mm-hmm. any person who comes in welcome like this is your home as well as it is mine and like as an actor you find that the space that you're working in becomes your second home it really does you want to feel just as comfortable because you're there almost more than you are at your your actual home and so you know to not feel that way to not have like to be wrapped in warmth um Mm -hmm. within a company it it was really sad because it's not that hard to do. Yeah. And as a contrast, you work at Town Hall Theater with uh, one of my favorite uh, directors, um, Susan Evans, which mm-hmm. is who's now in South, I want to say, um, North Carolina. No, she's in Virginia. She's in Charleston, um, Virginia. But in any case, she was the artistic director for Town Hall Theater. And I believe Town Hall Theater is, is very much a parallel of the Alterina as mm-hmm. they've been around for a long time, I think over 100 years. But unlike the Alterina, you have uh, an abundance of young people who create, you know, a, um, a an environment, a good environment. What was your experience work doing? Um, it was a cherry orchard. Cherry orchard. Yeah. So that was the second production I did with uh, Town Hall. The mm-hmm. first show I did was The Legend of Georgia McBride. Um, and I was cast in a in a black character. Um, 
if you don't know the show, um, the character Joe is written for a black woman. It's meant to be an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's beautiful. It's, <laughs> I was very excited to be, be cast in a show like that. And it's kind of funny to think of the legend, legend of Georgia McBride and Lacage because they have these two love interests, but then they also have this element of drag mm-hmm. and queer mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having done that, you know, I, I had a great, wonderful time working, um, at town hall, uh, with the legend of Georgia McBride. And then Susan asked me to come in. She was directing cherry orchard and she, she goes, how do you feel about Chekhov? <laughs> and I go, I'm like, I don't have a, mm-hmm. a hatred or a dislike. Like I, I don't have, the, <laughs> right, I've yeah. never really delved into it. I mean, I've done some scenes in college, but I never really delved in. And she mm-hmm. said, we're doing, you know, we're doing, um, Cherry Orchard, and I believe one of the characters she had me come in for was, like, one of a maid characters at first, and I was like, you know, that, it's not really, I'm I'm not feeling drawn to that, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, I didn't know the casting yet also, and Mm -hmm. so I was like, you know, to to be honest, like, I was very clear and honest, like, I don't want to be cast in this if I'm going to be, like, the black maid. (laughs) Yes, you're right. And I don't think Susan was going to do that, Mm -hmm. um, for those who saw it, it was probably one of the most diverse casts, um which was really fun. But I ended up being Anya and the mother was white and we had just, it was a very blended mix of people. But Mm. if you think of the story of Cherry Orchard, it's a story about family and home and connection. And so that's where we leaned into it. And, and Susan draw the comparison. She, she, she treated you and everyone and, and Mm -hmm. with respect and gave the production, you know, the, I guess, the quality that it needed to have. Yeah, and, you know, it's a period piece, and so we set it in that period. Um, And one of the most amazing things was Maggie Whitaker was the costume designer on that Mm -hmm. project. Um, And she came in and she had, you know, ideas of our our concept concept boards of everyone's costumes. Mm -hmm. And for any particular person, especially the actors of color, she had actual historic photos of people of color from that era in their outfits. And so it just made you feel really seen. It made you feel like she was really looking at that and saying, yes, we had, you know, upper class black folks Mm -hmm. in the Victorian era. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That was a thing. Like everyone wasn't poor and like, you know, um, so that was really nice. And then even the topic of hair, of course, comes up because it is a period piece, you know, mm-hmm. like how are we going to do it? And they were very, um, unfortunately, I don't remember who was helping us on hair, um, but Maggie was definitely a part of that conversation as well as Susan. But, you know, these were, it was definitely all um, white women. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very clear and saying, like, we don't have a ton of experience. Anything that you do need from us, let us know. Mm-hmm. Please bring us, like, ideas that you have we will also bring some you know maggie had pictures mm-hmm. and suggestions and even products that i wanted and needed was mm-hmm. purchased for me see that's awesome that's how that's how that's how it's supposed to be done yeah yeah no you're absolutely right and i don't know if people i'm aware of the sensitivity of black hair especially black women's hair of course um I think it's Ariana Presley. She's the senator who had alopecia and revealed, I'm not wearing the wig anymore. Here here I am naturally. Mm-hmm. And how empowering, but also how vulnerable she was. So, and I'm bringing this up because, you know, there may not be a lot of folks, especially those in the theater, 
as artistic directors or whatever of theater companies, how sensitive it is. You're like, well, I'm just asking you to dye your hair or straighten your hair. What's the big deal? But it is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Have you had, um, I guess the question I have is, have you had an experience specifically about, I don't know, black hair in prior, I don't know, theater dealings or it hasn't really been an issue? It hadn't really been an issue for me um, up until maybe about three or four years ago. I was still straightening my hair. Yeah. Um, so I think that was probably a thing that, you know, most white directors or customers probably didn't really think of because it was kind of westernized and that I, sure. my hair was, I was wearing my hair straight. So it was kind of like we can kind of ask whatever I mean that's not really (laughs) the correct term but like you know it it just it it didn't seem like it was as predominant as like having textured curly kinky coily hair sure and it it deals with um, a bit of assimilation you know because Mm -hmm. when we talk about straight hair I mean I remember my dad in the 80s this is when I was in high school you know the whole S curl and you know Mm -hmm. the Jerry curl we got to do that because you got to straighten it out because God forbid you have kinky hair uh, and it was just something that we did, all of us. And it may have been a sense of assimilation. You know, this is what is accepted. This is what we need to do until we reach that level of understanding. Hey, I need to be proud of who I am. This is okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be natural and then force the rest of the world to accept who we are. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a very, very um, integral part of it. And you would think in 2022, that should not even be a, an issue. <laughs> Yeah, and even if you don't have the understanding, that's okay. I mean, I'm not expecting everyone to have a deep, deep knowledge of black hair. I mean, I'm still learning things every day about my hair, and I'm sure lots of black women are as well. And what went wrong is that when I said, that made me uncomfortable, let's have a conversation about this in a different way, and he took that as that's not what we're doing. I didn't do anything wrong to hurt you. (laughs) Yeah, but that's, oops, I cut my mic off. (laughs) Sorry about that. I was trying to cut um, that mic off. Anyway, but that's two-way street. I mean, you know, you can say, I mean, as far as fault is concerned, sure, you know, you may have some responsibility as an actor, but I think the greatest responsibility is of the director. You know, if a director is saying, hey, I'm sorry, if an actor is saying, hey, I've got some issues, whatever the issue is, a director could be as annoyed as whatever, but these are the people that you cast, and these are the people that you're going to have to work with, and these are the people who will create the magic that you want to have on stage. Mm-hmm. You've got to work with them. Yeah. So being annoyed, you got to push that aside. So you can talk about you know how you approached him, but he has a responsibility, too, of approaching you. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was surprising in the response that I received. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not what I was expecting. And I just want us all to be able to work cohesively and to have open dialogue and also open expectations, both from a director and from an actor. Yeah. And I also thought about just, it's funny because I remember doing a, a theater rhinoceros piece and I had to wear, uh, it's like a medieval type dress or something like that. And um, so I did it and, you know, it was, it was no big deal. And then they had posted the, um, the picture on Facebook. And um, a couple of friends of mine had an adverse reaction to it or whatever. And I didn't even know that it was post, even posted. But it made me think about my image. You know, the, when I take on a role, 
when I first sign on, number one, I would like to be told, hey, these are our expectations of you as the actor before we even begin our read-throughs or whatever. I mean, I know things are going to come up within the rehearsal process, but if I know I need to do something drastic with either my hair or my demeanor or, you know, whatever it is, um, I would like to know even before I've signed it because I, you know, I may say, ooh, I didn't realize that I would be, I don't know, be wearing a dress or I didn't know my makeup would be, you know, this way or that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you want me to change my hair or something like that had I known that I could have made a better decision as to whether I even want to take the role on or not. So I think that's, I don't think that it's unfair for an actor to be told that right from the very, very beginning. But also our image. I mean, you know, the when I take on a role, all of a sudden I'm playing a character. My image as Reg Clay is sort of taken over by that company. And all of a sudden I'm given costumes, I'm given a hairstyle, and of course I'm given the dialogue and all that sort of stuff. I have some autonomy as to how I act the role. But really, I'm... I almost feel like I'm a product of the company. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about, you know, should I have more autonomy over myself and my image? Do you think about that at all? Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of shows are pretty great, at least luckily that I've worked with, that kind of are like wanting to have some input. And I believe that is what Noah originally wanted, was mm-hmm. trying to offer, was that I have input. Sure. But... It didn't come off that way, and yeah. that's why I wanted to say, I don't think this is what you meant, mm-hmm. but this is how it's coming off, Yeah, and I want you to be aware of that, mm-hmm. and also, even when I was bringing ideas of ways in which we can make it work for this time period, and this person, and also time in general of like getting there on a call time and getting ready and being ready to go at like you know eight o'clock or whatever time the show starts you know we don't have tons of time to like be blowing out somebody's hair and styling it Mm -hmm. sometimes a wig is the best way because you don't have the time and then I don't have to take time maintaining other things you know Mm -hmm. and so that was my suggestion and that was my first suggestion especially if you're the one you're not asking the theater to do anything. You're going yes. to do it yourself. Yes. And I've had I've done shows in the past where they've been like, we would like your hair to have this style. Like I was doing um, Violet uh, with formerly uh, Bay Area musicals mm-hmm. um, under the direction of Dre Ann McBride. And she was like, oh, I would love if you, you know, if that move- show is set in, in the 60s, you mm-hmm. know. You know, she wanted like a nice straight flip out. I mean, it's the 60s women had hair yeah, I think and springs yeah yeah i had the like little springs and i was supposed to be like younger mm-hmm. and i was like great and i went out and i just bought a wig that mm-hmm. had that style because i wasn't gonna straighten my hair every day and right, set right. it and also you know we're doing two shows a day it's not gonna last the whole time right so having a wig and we had a wig designer on that show as well and she approved the wig she was mm-hmm. like it is great yeah um and that's yeah. how and, it was. And, and, yeah, there was, there was no problem. Yeah, exactly. But even the, yeah, even the idea of, I mean, and hopefully I'm not recirculating uh, the conversation, but, you know, Norman have, and I have talked about, let's say a theater company, you know, hires someone of who is um, of a different, uh, different ethnicity and just stick it in. We want to make sure that, okay, if I'm a character that's being just stuck in, I'm adding something to the production. I'm not just the character. So I would like to have a conversation. The very concept of, can I have a conversation of where I fit in? Because the minute I hear 
the plot of Lacage, or let's say the plot of there's a black person who is a daughter or a son of two white individuals in the 80s in Reagan's America. (laughs) There are all sorts of stereotypes that go with it. Are we fitting that stereotype or not? Mm -hmm. I think you have a right to ask those questions Mm -hmm. uh, and to say, well, can I at least suggest that we go here or there or something like that? Um, And I'm sure you haven't had any issues in other productions of just having a conversation with the director, even if it's not a part of the schedule, you know. Yeah. Even if it's outside of the uh, the rehearsal. Yeah. I I had asked that it was something that we talked about as a cast. Yeah. Because I think it involved a lot of us. And even if it was just, you know, the three of us in in that particular family, but also just as a cast. And I don't think it had to be, you know, like a 30, 45 minute conversation, but a nice, you know, 10, 15 minute chat before Mm -hmm. we block our scenes of like, who are we? What are we talking about? Our director's on the same page. Us as actors are also on the same page. Yeah. And when I asked that, the response I got from Noah was, when it's time to block your scenes, just remind me. Oh. And I was like, that's not my job. You're the director. Yeah. I'm giving you, like, as, a, as an actor, I'm asking, can we please have this time to do this? Yeah. I shouldn't have to remind you. You should look at your schedule and say, oh, yes, on this day, I'm going to make sure that we have 10, 15 minutes to have this conversation because it's important. Yeah. But if it's my responsibility, it's not important to him. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And just the attitude of, well, you know, we're not even talking about your scene. We'll talk about it later on. I mean, just that attitude itself is like, you don't have any, you, all you're doing is bothering me. That's, you know, that's just a horrible and it sets a bad taste because you have to now dismiss whatever you're feeling. And let's say whatever scene you're working on that night, you have to, you know, get into that. And how difficult is that? I know for me, it's it's almost impossible if I feel that I have a bad rapport with the director, it's going to stunt me mm-hmm. as an actor. Yeah, I'm not as free to act or to do all the things you cast me to do. Yeah, so that's it's unfortunate. Has it? How do you feel right now? Do you feel um, do you feel vulnerable or do you feel empowered because you got your 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 word out? Um, it hasn't stunted. Let's say you working with other productions, has it? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, the article came out as I was in production for a show. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, a lot of the people who I've worked with in the past um, who have read the article have said that has not been the case of working with you, which is great. I think for Katina to say something that really disregards my character in that sort of way was really rude. And also, she never really worked with me, so she doesn't have, like, you're basing this off of what you heard from Noah, most likely, I'm guessing. I don't know. The conversations that I had with her, mm-hmm. um, I thought I was being heard. Yeah. And that makes me feel like she wasn't on the side of the actor or wasn't, you know, wasn't taking an active part into, like, making things better. She was just, it seemed like Alterina was just checking boxes yeah. of, oh, yep, we listened to your story, we listened to that, we had a meeting, mm-hmm. um, Noah, quote-unquote, apologized. <laughs> um, yeah, and but, as, as if, you know, they're, wor- they're worried about a lawsuit or something like that. It's almost, it's almost very corporate. Yeah, and, yeah. It, you know looking back at it, I was like, okay, you know, at first it felt good. And then as it looking back, I'm thinking it, that's what it felt like. It felt like they were checking boxes Mm -hmm. and that they did that. And personally looking back, I should not have had to step down. That was not my responsibility Mm -hmm. more 
should have been done on the company side, um, either with Noah, most likely with Noah, because that was who the conversation was with, to yeah. say, you know what, if someone is having this reaction to things, um, and then even after I eventually stepped down, I wrote an email to the cast, and I was like, please, like, be careful, and, like, be mm-hmm. aware of what's happening. I feel like, especially in that production, things were really sneaky and like mis- like so the microaggression it was microaggression so they yeah. were small and so you didn't notice it at first and then it would you know be picking in the back of your mind of like mm-hmm. oh that was why would why was it said that way mm-hmm. and i got a response the next day from lots of cast members saying we already had this incident mm. of someone saying you know this part in the script is is not sensitive to today's audiences okay and they kind of like talked about it but it was like they didn't it seemed like the cast didn't feel like it was handled correctly or Mm -hmm. like addressed correctly in the moment Mm -hmm. of you know and that was my fear i was like my fear was that this cast wasn't going to be able to be vulnerable in a room and bring things and like say things Mm -hmm. without backlash yeah from production yeah and it's not like you're an activist i mean you don't consider yourself an activist or 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 maybe (laughs) i would consider myself an activist (laughs) yeah there's nothing wrong with that yeah i i believe in theater and i believe in performing and being an actor but i also believe in telling stories and i believe theater is one of the best ways of activism of telling stories absolutely you get to sit down people who maybe would never even hear that story mm-hmm. who didn't have didn't even understand lacage didn't know anything about drag or mm-hmm. queer love yeah and they sit down for two hours of their day <laughs> mm-hmm. and witness that and see that see a blended family see a conservative blended family yeah see a queer blended family mm-hmm what does that mean? Yeah. We can still sing and dance, but what are those moments in between? Yeah. That are telling a story and Mm. maybe someone goes, oh, that makes sense to me. Or Mm -hmm. me or somebody else sitting in the audience going, oh, that looks like my family. (laughs) You know? And so... And those are wonderful moments. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why we have theater. Theater is to tell stories. It's to explain things. Mm-hmm. To de- We're going to delve into things that maybe are uncomfortable and that's okay. That's yeah. what we do as actors. Mm-hmm. And we hopefully have, are figuring out ways to also take care of ourselves in that process. That's exactly right. To tell those stories for folks who aren't always going to want to, mm-hmm. you know, learn about that. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think... You're right. When theater is done well, the audience is like, wow, I was entertained, but I was also educated as to how other people live or people around me live. Mm -hmm. But also theater, if it's done right, makes the actors, the people on stage feel right because they're like, hey, I got to tell a story that feels right. I got to express myself in a particular way. I've been in productions where I felt absolutely bad, absolutely horrible, (laughs) where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm the butler. And I, why did I sign up for this? And I've got to, I've got another month of this going on. And then I've felt, I've been at a production, I'm looking at Before the Dream, where I played Richard Wright. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I'm not just playing a lead character, but this is something that reminds me of my dad or my, my, my neighborhood, or this is, this is sort of my story. Mm-hmm. And there's something empowering about that. And, and I think it's one of the reasons why we're talking about it right now, because theater companies has to understand 
you're not just doing us a favor by casting us. You've got to create the, the correct environment and also tell stories that really reflect your neighborhood and the actors who, who play it. And I think that is very, very important. Okay, so you feel, how, how do you think the article, San Francisco Chronicle, I've actually talked to Lily Janik and um, I tried to get her on, but, you know, I guess her, um, her the, the paper, you know, was like, well, we really can't and we got to move on to other things. So mm-hmm. I totally understand. But it was cool that she decided to write about this. Do you feel the article treated the subject matter and you with respect? I think they did. I think it is a little difficult to follow. <laughs> um, it is a bit scattershot because I, I see that she's trying to wrap it under the umbrella. You know, there's yes. quotes by Lamont, there's quotes by Kim, by you, yeah. and then, you know, Katina and Noah, and then it gets into, you know, the whole theater and race relations and all that sort of stuff. I think yeah. there's an article by some, I don't know, some. So so it is a bit scattershot because like, I guess she's trying to fi- fit it in the big umbrella yeah. of, yeah. of uh-huh. it all. Yeah, and that, I mean, even myself who, you know, I, when I was originally asked to take part in the article, I thought it was just in regards to the production of Lacage. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until after the article came out how there's been just a continuous pattern of abuse mm-hmm. within the company. Um, Which supports your claim. Yeah, and... My, my whole thing during the time of every when everything was happening with myself, I was like, I don't want anyone to ever have to go through this. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to have to have these same feelings at any time. Yeah. And reading this article, I was so saddened to hear that so much had happened prior to me mm-hmm. and is continuing to happen after me. Yeah. And the company just doesn't seem get that they're doing something wrong yeah and that they can change <laughs> like yeah. you can change it's great and it's yeah if you fine. want to if, if if they want to change and if a lot of times change. change won't happen unless someone speaks out yeah and it's just again surprising i think you mentioned the um living doc for me i was like how why is this happening we just went through a year two years of like everyone putting a call to action to Bay Area theater companies mm-hmm. and saying, like, these are the things that are happening. We don't want that to happen. What are you going to do to be better? And many companies read that, took that to heart, mm-hmm. and made changes. Yeah. So I don't <clears throat> understand why Alterina feels like they are somehow exempt from that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's, like, this excuse of, like, not having capital because they're a small company. There are free resources out there. There yeah. are ways to have change. There was me who said, I'm happy to have a conversation. Let's have that. Yeah. But once you knock me down, I'm not going to want to give you my assistance for free. Exactly. That's <laughs> like, exactly it's right. no longer my job. Once I offer it and you don't take it, then mm-hmm. I'm not like the labor of being black. Yeah is not something that I'm just going to hand out for free. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And <clears throat> if you if you treat, I mean, theater is, yes, I suppose it is a business, but I would never think of like employer-employee and because there is such an artistic um, chemistry that's needed to create great theater. 
But if you do reduce it to a business like, hey, listen, you're the employee, you need to, I mean, when thinking about what happened with you and with Alterina, maybe it's, but I've thought about, let's say, um, Twitter employees and Elon Musk saying, hey, you know, you need to work harder or mm-hmm. else you're gone. And then, you know, a bunch of, I think 10,000 quit. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like Uber employees wanting autonomy. Everyone wants some autonomy. It's not about money. Mm-hmm. And it's not about Alterina being a small company. It doesn't take any money to treat people with respect and okay. to just listen and to say, hey, this is a different idea of how we can approach this or this is how I feel. Do you at least hear me? Yeah. It doesn't take any money to do that. And if Town Hall Theater, who's been around even longer than the Alterina can do it, certainly the Alterina can if they want to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So... Um, well, what do you, um, what do you, to, I don't know, put it on a, uh, to put it on a lighter button, what are you doing in, in these days in the future? Do you have any future plans? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm going to be doing a production with Detour Dance, um, in the spring, okay. I believe. <laughs> um, in my mind, I'm like, it's so far away, but it's mm-hmm. going to sneak up on me really, really quickly, um. It's a devised piece, devised theater, incorporating dance and drag and dance theater, and it's going to be... What company? Uh, Detour Dance. Oh, the company's Detour Dance. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, and I'm really excited to work in that space of mm-hmm. devising. That's something I really love to do, um, being able to bring myself and all stories in a certain way. Um, it's going to be at the Oasis. It's going to be an interactive piece, which okay. I, I also really enjoy. We just did, I just wrapped um, Scream at the Oasis, which was a 90s horror par- har- parody drag musical. Okay, cool. Very cool. <laughs> um, and that was really fun and exciting and fun to be this 90s person and mm-hmm. um, a 90s teenager. And it was actually really sweet. I was like, when they were like figuring out characters and Mm -hmm. like you're kind of like the artsy teen and i was like i want to be janet jackson from poetic justice (laughs) hey i love that john singleton yes and i got long braids and i was like that's that's it and it was open like when i said i was like can i get braids i want to be janet jackson for poetic justice they were like yes (laughs) right on you um you had written a one-woman show stage meet do you, I did. Want to, do you want to redo that? Because you talked about reproducing that. I have thought about it. Um, solo shows are a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's definitely on my radar still of something that I, I want to do and revamp that and revisit it and mm-hmm. um, go back to it and add new things. Because I wrote that, I think, in 2016 after I had just graduated college. So... Um, doing that uh would be fun and to like bring this new ideas and things that i've gone through in my life would be great yeah because i remember you were talking about that on episode 175 and i was interested to see if you were doing that as a matter of fact playground san francisco they're bringing it they have like this incubator showcase that's happening right now but they're always looking for mm-hmm. writers and actors and artists to bring in new material and you know they produce a couple of uh, my one act uh, stuff so they would that would be a perfect venue for that cool. yeah that's a great idea thank yeah. you <laughs> have you been involved with playground because they're always looking for actors too. i have not but i definitely have seen their things out and about so nice yeah. very nice well um there, we usually um, end it with uh, listing birthdays and shows, so I figured I'd go ahead and do that. 
Today, Isabella Capozzi is 21 years old. Speaking of Town Hall Theater, she has been a part of Town Hall with her sister. Um, shucks, I can't remember her sister's name. But in any case, um, Gianna, I think. But in any case, yeah, she's 21 years old. I remember acting with her. We did Women on the Verge of Nervous Breakdown. And as act as a big, big cast, we were very careful of taking care of her because she and her sister were just teenagers mm-hmm. and we were just all adults and we wanted to make sure they had a fun experience and they did. Mm-hmm. So happy birthday, Isabella. She is 21 years old today. Happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> Allison Quinn, I remember uh, being on a, um, doing a film with her. Uh, in any case, her birthday was on the 17th. So happy birthday to you two days ago. Uh, let's see here. Um, Christine Pagador, a Philippine actress. Her birthday will be tomorrow. She and I, we did um, Godspell. Uh, So that was a fun uh, uh, thing to do. Nick Feliciano. Uh, Nick, she is a fantastic actress, and her birthday will be on the 22nd, which I think is Tuesday. And we did N.A. Dallas' world-famous Lechon, and uh, she was just hilarious in that as the lead character, the Lechon, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. Also on the 22nd, Robert Digman. Uh, he and I went to school at Duke Ellington School of the Arts. He was a fantastic actor. As a matter of fact, when he, we were in high school, he was doing shows at the, um, <clears throat> the um, what is it, the, um, oh, I can't think of the theater name. But in any case, he was, he was doing it at 17 years old while the rest <laughs> of us were just, you know, figuring out how to be a teenager. So, uh, Robert, happy birthday to you. Keaton Wilkerson, he is a fantastic actor and singer. We acted, it was um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. I thought we did something else. But in any case, uh, he's fantastic, and he's been on the A. Happy birthday to you, Keaton. Um, let's see. There's uh, Jennifer Lucas. Uh, she is a fantastic actress. I think we acted in Grey Gardens together um, at the, town, at not Town Hall Theater, but the uh, Douglas Morrison Theater. So happy birthday to you. Uh, And the last one that I'll list is Chuck Laxon. Chuck is a Philippine actor and comedian. He's been on Bindlestiff many, many times. And his um, wife, Julie, just finished doing doing something at um, Pony. Pony, which is being played at the, um, I want to say Shotgun. I'm hoping I'm right. But in any case, Chuck is a fantastic actor. And um, he and Julie are a great couple. His birthday is on the 23rd. Happy birthday to you, uh, Chuck. And there are a couple of shows that are going on, uh, even still during the holiday season. There's um, Meet John Doe, San Jose Stage. Uh, that'll be playing uh, up until December the 18th. Norman G is in that, along with Julian Lopez Maria and L- Nick Mandrakia. And we have a link for that. Uh, also, Dario's All-American Diner. That is a virtual reading that will be happening tomorrow. Um, the company that's doing that is Circa Pinting, Pintig New Work Series. It's a Philippine company. Conrad Panganaban uh, wrote the piece, Dario's All-American Diner. And we have a link for that. It's free, but click on the link so you can uh, watch it. Um, Theater Rhino is doing A Slice of Life. That will be running up until... November the 27th, John Fisher wrote and directed the show. Christine Uren designed the poster for that. So check out A Slice of Life. Uh, The River Bride is playing. Their last show is tomorrow. That's at 6th Street Playhouse. Uh, Terrence Smith is in that show, so check that out. Two Trains Running, the Marin 
Theater Company is doing that. That'll be November the 25th through December the 18th. Dominique Williams is directing that show. Kari Moy is in the show. Fantastic black actors and director. Check that out. Uh, Clue is playing at the Central Rep Theater. Their last show is tomorrow. Dorian Lockett, another fantastic black actor, is in that show. Check that out. Little Shop of Horrors will be playing uh, November the 30th through December the 24th. Uh, good friend of mine, Jeffrey Lowe, is directing that show, so check that out. Sleeping Beauty is playing at the Presidio Theater beginning December the 1st through the 30th. Echo Yamamoto and Sharon Shaw, both who have been on the A, um, they are in the show, so check that out. And the Innovator Showcase, Incubator Showcase at Playground San Francisco, that is still going on. There, uh, there are just a couple of shows that will be running. Charles Darwin, Who Her True Story... Uh, their last show will be tomorrow, and the company is the Latinx Mafia, so check that out. Letito Duarte will be in that show. And then next week, on the 26th and the 27th, will be La Vita Lobo, and uh, that was written by Linda Amayo Hassan, and it is directed by Katia Rivera. So if you want to see any either of those, check out playground-sf.org slash incubator. And let's see, there are two other, three other shows that I want to talk about. Something Rotten at the West Valley Light Opera. That'll be playing until December the 3rd. Melissa Mambuis is in that show. Christmas in Oz, uh, that'll be playing at the Coastal Repertory Theater. That'll run December the 1st through December the 18th. Danny Martin, a good friend of mine, is in that show. I'm sorry, he's directing the show. His directing debut. And the last show I want to talk about is the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. And that'll be done by the Contra Costa Musical Theater. Their last show is tomorrow. Stephen McLeod is co-directing the play. And Paul Plain is in the play. And there are a couple of podcasts that are going around. Uh, Barry Graves has The Black Man's Heart, so check that out. Mallory Somera, who is our consulting producer, her day job is KCBS Radio. And she has a weekly podcast called Connect the Dots, so check that out. Central Works has a podcast called The Central Works Script Club. So you can check that out. And Bendelstiff Studios has the Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. So check that out. And also we have Yay Jerseys. So check out the Yay Jerseys. It's $30. Uh, white and black, if you want to support us. And that is it. Um, hopefully, I, I really wanted to bring uh, credence to you know this story. So I hope we did a good enough job. What do Thank you think? Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think the more we talk about it, the more we're able to maybe put a little bit of pressure on Alterina and also get some change. And, you know, I would love to perform there in the future, but yeah. not until anything changes. <laughs> that, no, that that's exactly right. And just because I had an okay experience at the Alterina does not invalidate what you and Lamont and Kim Donovan and many others have had to go through. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that Katina and the folks at Alterina are listening and will make a change because it's not like we're trying to pull anyone's arm or leg. It doesn't take much to listen mm-hmm. and to effect change that benefits everybody, yeah. including the Alterina. That is it. Thank you so much. It's a wonderful Saturday afternoon. We're going to close it up. As Norman and I always say, we got to find a better sign-off. And we are out.